Thanks for listening to this Abide Meditation. For more biblical meditations that encourage regular, relevant, and transforming connection with Jesus, download the Abide app today. Welcome to the Bedtime Story, Les Miserables, adapted from Act One of Victor Hugo's classic novel. It's a tale about a man feeling beaten down and discouraged, as if all hope is lost. He needed a second chance. He needed grace. This man discovered the grace found in Scripture, which tells us, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Do you need God's grace today? Do you need hope? Close your eyes and unwind. Let your head sink into your pillow. Stretch out your legs and arms and get comfortable as we begin this story of grace and mercy. A story that has inspired Christians and non-Christians alike since it was released in 1845. Breathe in the grace of God. Now, picture yourself breathing out the troubles of the day. Les Miserables follows a poor 19th century Frenchman, Jean Valjean, who was arrested for breaking a window and stealing a loaf of bread. He spent 19 years in hard labor rowing a ship. He left prison a bitter man who needed a second chance. He needed the grace and mercy of a loving God. Join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this child of God. Thank you for their talents, their gifts, their desire to know you more. Dear God, we need your grace. We need your mercy. We need second chances. We need your love. Father, I ask that you will soothe their aching bones and calm their mind. Give them the peace only you can provide. Bless them with Christ-centered thoughts. Bless them with tranquil dreams. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we begin this bedtime story, Jean Valjean had been a free man for four days. He had walked more than 100 miles along dusty roads, 41 miles today alone, on his way to the city of Pontarlier. An orange glowing sun was setting. He was weary. He was tired. He was hungry. He needed food, most of all, he needed a bed. Jean Valjean entered a town but was turned away by the innkeeper. The jailer, too, wanted nothing to do with him. Finally, a bishop agreed to take him in. It was the bishop's residence, but as he told Valjean, this is not my house. It is the house of Jesus Christ. The bishop fed Valjean, 
He treated him like an old friend. He gave him a bed, too, with clean white sheets. He treated Jean Valjean as Christ would have treated him. Blowing out his candle, Jean Valjean dropped on the bed, exhausted and weary. He breathed slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly. And he fell into a deep sleep. As the cathedral clock struck two in the morning, Jean Valjean awoke. What woke him was that his bed was too good. It had been nearly 20 years since he had slept in a bed, and although he had not undressed, the sensation was too novel not to disturb his slumbers. He had slept more than four hours. His fatigue had passed away. He opened his eyes and stared into the gloom which surrounded him. Then he closed them again with the intention of going to sleep once more. But he could not get to sleep again. And he began thinking. There was one thought which kept constantly presenting itself afresh and which drove away all others. He had observed the six sets of silver forks and spoons and the ladle which Madame Maglore, the bishop's servant, had placed on the table. Those six sets of silver haunted him. They were a few feet away from his bed, in a cupboard. They were solid, and old silver. From the ladle, one could get at least 200 francs, double what he had earned in 19 years in prison. The temptation to steal the silver and leave in the middle of the night was growing. Jean Valjean rose to his feet, hesitated still another moment, and listened. All was quiet in the house. Then he walked straight ahead with short steps to the window, of which he caught a glimpse. The night was not very dark. There was a full moon, partially covered by large clouds driven by the wind. This created, outdoors, alternate shadow and gleams of light, then bright openings of the clouds. Indoor, there was a sort of twilight. On arriving at the window, Jean Valjean examined it. It had no grating. It opened in the garden and was fastened, according to the fashion of the country, only by a small pin. This would be his escape. He opened it, but as a rush of cold and piercing air penetrated the room abruptly, he closed it again immediately. He scrutinized the garden with that attentive gaze which studies rather than looks. The garden was enclosed by a tolerably low white wall, easy to climb. Having taken this survey, he executed a movement like that of a man who has made up his mind. He grasped his knapsack, put his shoes into one of his pockets, 
threw the knapsack on his shoulders, put on his cap, drew the visor down over his eyes, felt for his club, and placed it in the angle of the window. He took a candlestick in his right hand, holding his breath and trying to deaden the sound of his tread. He directed his steps to the door of the adjoining room. The bishop continued to sleep in profound peace. The gleam of the moon rendered confusedly visible the crucifix over the chimney piece, which seemed to be extending its arms to both of them, with a benediction for one and pardon for the other. Jean Valjean replaced his cap on his brow, then stepped rapidly past the bed, without glancing at the bishop, straight to the cupboard, which he saw near the head of the bed. He opened it and immediately saw the basket of silverware. He seized it, walked back across the chamber toward the window with long strides, without taking any precautions and without troubling himself about the noise. He grabbed his club, straddled the windowsill of the ground floor, put the silver into his knapsack, threw away the basket, crossed the garden, leaped over the wall like a tiger, and fled. The next morning at sunrise, the bishop was strolling in his garden. Madame Maglore ran up to him in utter consternation. Monsignor, Monsignor, she exclaimed. Do you know where the basket of silver is? Yes, replied the bishop. The bishop had just picked up the basket in a flower bed. He presented it to Madame Maglore. Here it is. Well, she said, there's nothing in it. And the silver? Ah, returned the bishop. So it is the silver which troubles you. I don't know where it is. It is stolen, Madame Maglore exclaimed. That man who was here last night has stolen it. The bishop remained silent for a moment. Then he raised his grave eyes and said gently to Madame Maglore, And in the first place, was that silver ours? Madame Maglore was speechless. Another silence ensued. Then the bishop went on. Madame Maglore, I have for a long time detained that silver wrongfully. It belonged to the poor. Who was that man? A poor man, evidently. Madame Maglore responded, What is Monsignor to eat with now? The bishop gazed at her with an air of amazement. Are there no such things as pewter forks and spoons? A few moments later, the bishop was eating breakfast at the very table at which Jean Valjean had sat on the previous evening. As they were about to rise from the table, there came a knock at the door. Come in, said the bishop. The door opened. A singular and loud group made its appearance on the threshold. Three men were holding a fourth man by the collar. The three men were police. The other 
was Jean Valjean. One of the men saluted the bishop. Monsignor, said the policeman. The bishop advanced as quickly as his great age permitted. His next words shocked the police. And Jean Valjean, too. Ah, here you are, the bishop exclaimed, looking at Jean Valjean. I'm glad to see you. I gave you the candlesticks, too, which are of silver like the rest, and for which you can certainly get 200 francs, but you forgot them. Why did you not carry the candlesticks away with your forks and spoons? Jean Valjean opened his eyes wide and stared at the venerable bishop with an expression of disbelief. A policeman spoke up. So what this man said is true, then. We came across him. He was walking like a man who was running away. We stopped him to look into the matter. He had this silver. The bishop, now smiling, interrupted. And he told you that it had been given to him by a kind old fellow of a priest with whom he had passed the night. I see how the matter stands, and you have brought him back here. It is a mistake. In that case, replied the police officer, we can let him go? Certainly, replied the bishop. My friend, the bishop said to Jean Valjean, before you go, here are your candlesticks. Take them. Jean Valjean was trembling in every limb by this act of grace and mercy. He was bewildered, but he accepted the two candlesticks. Now, said the bishop, go in peace. By the way, when you return, my friend, it is not necessary to pass through the garden. You can always enter and depart through the street door. It is never fastened with anything but a latch, either by day or by night. The police officers walked away, leaving Jean Valjean alone with the bishop. Jean Valjean was like a man on the point of fainting. The bishop drew near to him and said in a low voice, Do not forget, never forget, that you have promised to use this money in becoming an honest man. Jean Valjean, who had no recollection of ever having promised anything, remained speechless. The bishop had emphasized the words when he uttered them. The bishop resumed, Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. Jean Valjean experienced undeserved grace and mercy. So do we. His story is our story. Each day we experience the infinite grace and mercy of the eternal everlasting God of the universe. Each day, we receive second chances. He loves us not because of what we have done, but because of who He is. God is love. He loved you before time began. Even now, He is protecting you 
and watching over you rest in his ever presence abide in his loving care receive his everlasting peace please let me pray for you dear God thank you for this marvelous classical story Les Miserables like Jean Valjean we need your grace and your mercy like Jean Valjean we need second chances thank you for your love I pray for this child of yours that they will know your peace and your presence give them wonderful dreams help them wake up feeling refreshed and ready to serve you another day I pray for blessings for them today and this week Les Miserables it's a tale about a man feeling beaten down and discouraged as if all hope is lost he needed a second chance he needed grace this man discovered the grace found in Scripture which tells us but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Romans chapter 5 verse 8 do you need God's grace today do you need hope close your eyes and unwind let your head sink into your pillow stretch out your legs and arms and get comfortable as we begin this story of grace and mercy a story that has inspired Christians and non-Christians alike since it was released in 1845 breathe in the grace of God now picture yourself breathing out the troubles of the day Les Miserables follows a poor 19th century Frenchman Jean Valjean who was arrested for breaking a window and stealing a loaf of bread he spent 19 years in hard labor rowing a ship he left prison a bitter man who needed a second chance he needed the grace and mercy of a loving God join with me as I pray Heavenly Father thank you for this child of God thank you for their talents their gifts their desire to know you more dear God we need your grace we need your mercy we need second chances we need your love father I ask that you will soothe their aching bones and calm their mind give them the peace only you can provide bless them with Christ-centered thoughts bless them with tranquil dreams I pray this in the name of Jesus amen as we begin this bedtime story Jean Valjean had been a free man for four days he had walked more than 100 miles along dusty roads 41 miles today alone on his way to the city of Pontarlier an orange glowing Sun was setting he was weary he was tired he was hungry he needed food most of all 
he needed a bed. Jean Valjean entered a town but was turned away by the innkeeper. The jailer, too, wanted nothing to do with him. Finally, a bishop agreed to take him in. It was the bishop's residence, but as he told Valjean, this is not my house. It is the house of Jesus Christ. The bishop fed Valjean. He treated him like an old friend. He gave him a bed, too, with clean white sheets. He treated Jean Valjean as Christ would have treated him. Blowing out his candle, Jean Valjean dropped on the bed, exhausted and weary. He breathed slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly. And he fell into a deep sleep. As the cathedral clock struck two in the morning, Jean Valjean awoke. What woke him was that his bed was too good. It had been nearly 20 years since he had slept in a bed, and although he had not undressed, the sensation was too novel not to disturb his slumbers. He had slept more than four hours. His fatigue had passed away. He opened his eyes and stared into the gloom which surrounded him. Then he closed them again, with the intention of going to sleep once more. But he could not get to sleep again, and he began thinking. There was one thought which kept constantly presenting itself afresh, and which drove away all others. He had observed the six sets of silver forks and spoons and the ladle which Madame Maglore, the bishop's servant, had placed on the table. Those six sets of silver haunted him. They were a few feet away from his bed, in a cupboard. They were solid and old silver. From the ladle, one could get at least 200 francs double what he had earned in 19 years in prison. The temptation to steal the silver and leave in the middle of the night was growing. Jean Valjean rose to his feet, hesitated still another moment, and listened. All was quiet in the house. Then he walked straight ahead with short steps to the window which he caught a glimpse. The night was not very dark. There was a full moon, partially covered by large clouds driven by the wind. This created, outdoors, alternate shadow and gleams of light, then bright openings of the clouds. Indoor, there was a sort of twilight. On arriving at the window, Jean Valjean examined it. It had no grating. It opened in the garden and was fastened, according to the fashion of the country, only by a small pin. This would be his escape. He opened it, but as a rush of cold and piercing air penetrated the room abruptly, he closed it again immediately, 
He scrutinized the garden with that attentive gaze which studies rather than looks. The garden was enclosed by a tolerably low white wall, easy to climb. Having taken this survey, he executed a movement like that of a man who has made up his mind. He grasped his knapsack, put his shoes into one of his pockets, threw the knapsack on his shoulders, put on his cap, drew the visor down over his eyes, felt for his club, and placed it in the angle of the window. He took a candlestick in his right hand, holding his breath and trying to deaden the sound of his tread. He directed his steps to the door of the adjoining room. The bishop continued to sleep in profound peace. The gleam of the moon rendered confusedly visible the crucifix over the chimney piece, which seemed to be extending its arms to both of them, with a benediction for one and pardon for the other. Jean Valjean replaced his cap on his brow, then stepped rapidly past the bed, without glancing at the bishop, straight to the cupboard, which he saw near the head of the bed. He opened it and immediately saw the basket of silverware. He seized it, walked back across the chamber toward the window with long strides, without taking any precautions and without troubling himself about the noise. He grabbed his club, straddled the windowsill of the ground floor, put the silver into his knapsack, threw away the basket, crossed the garden, leaped over the wall like a tiger, and fled. The next morning at sunrise, the bishop was strolling in his garden. Madame Maglore ran up to him in utter consternation. Monsignor, Monsignor, she exclaimed. Do you know where the basket of silver is? Yes, replied the bishop. The bishop had just picked up the basket in a flower bed. He presented it to Madame Maglore. Here it is. Well, she said, there's nothing in it. And the silver? Ah, returned the bishop. So it is the silver which troubles you. I don't know where it is. It is stolen, Madame Maglore exclaimed. That man who was here last night has stolen it. The bishop remained silent for a moment. Then he raised his grave eyes and said gently to Madame Maglore, And in the first place, was that silver ours? Madame Maglore was speechless. Another silence ensued. Then the bishop went on. Madame Maglore, I have for a long time detained that silver wrongfully. It belonged to the poor. Who was that man? A poor man, evidently. Madame Maglore responded, What is Monsignor to eat with now? The bishop gazed at her with an air of amazement. Are there no such things as pewter forks and spoons? A few moments later, 
The bishop was eating breakfast at the very table at which Jean Valjean had sat on the previous evening. As they were about to rise from the table, there came a knock at the door. Come in, said the bishop. The door opened. A singular and loud group made its appearance on the threshold. Three men were holding a fourth man by the collar. The three men were police. The other was Jean Valjean. One of the men saluted the bishop. Monsignor, said the policeman. The bishop advanced as quickly as his great age permitted. His next words shocked the police. And Jean Valjean, too. Ah, here you are, the bishop exclaimed, looking at Jean Valjean. I'm glad to see you. I gave you the candlesticks, too, which are of silver like the rest, and for which you can certainly get 200 francs, but you forgot them. Why did you not carry the candlesticks away with your forks and spoons? Jean Valjean opened his eyes wide and stared at the venerable bishop, with an expression of disbelief. A policeman spoke up. So what this man said is true then. We came across him. He was walking like a man who was running away. We stopped him to look into the matter. He had this silver. The bishop, now smiling, interrupted. And he told you that it had been given to him by a kind old fellow of a priest with whom he had passed the night. I see how the matter stands, and you have brought him back here. It is a mistake. In that case, replied the police officer, we can let him go? Certainly, replied the bishop. My friend, the bishop said to Jean Valjean, before you go, here are your candlesticks. Take them. Jean Valjean was trembling in every limb by this act of grace and mercy. He was bewildered, but he accepted the two candlesticks. Now, said the bishop, go in peace. By the way, when you return, my friend, it is not necessary to pass through the garden. You can always enter and depart through the street door. It is never fastened with anything but a latch, either by day or by night. The police officers walked away leaving Jean Valjean alone with the bishop. Jean Valjean was like a man on the point of fainting. The bishop drew near to him and said in a low voice, Do not forget, never forget, that you have promised to use this money in becoming an honest man. Jean Valjean, who had no recollection of ever having promised anything, remained speechless. The bishop had emphasized the words when he uttered them. The bishop resumed, Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. Jean Valjean experienced undeserved grace and mercy. So do we. His story is our story.
Each day, we experience the infinite grace and mercy of the eternal, everlasting God of the universe. Each day, we receive second chances. He loves us not because of what we have done, but because of who He is. God is love. He loved you before time began. Even now, He is protecting you and watching over you. Rest in His ever-presence. Abide in His loving care. Receive His everlasting peace. Please, let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for this marvelous classical story, Les Miserables. Like Jean Valjean, we need your grace and your mercy. Like Jean Valjean, we need second chances. Thank you for your love. I pray for this child of yours, that they will know your peace and your presence. Give them wonderful dreams. Help them wake up feeling refreshed and ready to serve you another day. I pray for blessings for them today and this week. Les Miserables It's a tale about a man feeling beaten down and discouraged, as if all hope is lost. He needed a second chance. He needed grace. This man discovered the grace found in Scripture, which tells us, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Do you need God's grace today? Do you need hope? Close your eyes and unwind. Let your head sink into your pillow. Stretch out your legs and arms and get comfortable as we begin this story of grace and mercy. A story that has inspired Christians and non-Christians alike since it was released in 1845. Breathe in the grace of God. Now, picture yourself breathing out the troubles of the day. Les Miserables follows a poor 19th century Frenchman, Jean Valjean, who was arrested for breaking a window and stealing a loaf of bread. He spent 19 years in hard labor rowing a ship. He left prison a bitter man who needed a second chance. He needed the grace and mercy of a loving God. Join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this child of God. Thank you for their talents, their gifts, their desire to know you more. Dear God, we need your grace. We need your mercy. We need second chances. We need your love. Father, I ask that you will soothe their aching bones and calm their mind. Give them the peace only you can provide. Bless them with Christ-centered thoughts. Bless them with tranquil dreams. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we begin this bedtime story, 
Jean Valjean had been a free man for four days. He had walked more than 100 miles along dusty roads, 41 miles today alone, on his way to the city of Pontarlier. An orange glowing sun was setting. He was weary. He was tired. He was hungry. He needed food. Most of all, he needed a bed. Jean Valjean entered a town but was turned away by the innkeeper. The jailer, too, wanted nothing to do with him. Finally, a bishop agreed to take him in. It was the bishop's residence, but as he told Valjean, This is not my house. It is the house of Jesus Christ. The bishop fed Valjean. He treated him like an old friend. He gave him a bed, too, with clean white sheets. He treated Jean Valjean as Christ would have treated him. Blowing out his candle, Jean Valjean dropped on the bed, exhausted and weary. He breathed slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly. And he fell into a deep sleep. As the cathedral clock struck two in the morning, Jean Valjean awoke. What woke him was that his bed was too good. It had been nearly 20 years since he had slept in a bed, and although he had not undressed, the sensation was too novel not to disturb his slumbers. He had slept more than four hours. His fatigue had passed away. He opened his eyes and stared into the gloom which surrounded him. Then he closed them again, with the intention of going to sleep once more. But he could not get to sleep again. And he began thinking. There was one thought which kept constantly presenting itself afresh and which drove away all others. He had observed the six sets of silver forks and spoons and the ladle which Madame Maglore, the bishop's servant, had placed on the table. Those six sets of silver haunted him. They were a few feet away from his bed, in a cupboard. They were solid, and old silver. From the ladle, one could get at least 200 francs, double what he had earned in 19 years in prison. The temptation to steal the silver and leave in the middle of the night was growing. Jean Valjean rose to his feet, hesitated still another moment, and listened. All was quiet in the house. Then he walked straight ahead with short steps to the window, of which he caught a glimpse. The night was not very dark. There was a full moon, partially covered by large clouds driven by the wind. This created, outdoors, alternate shadow and gleams of light then bright openings of the clouds. Indoor, there was a sort of twilight, 
On arriving at the window, Jean Valjean examined it. It had no grating. It opened in the garden and was fastened, according to the fashion of the country, only by a small pin. This would be his escape. He opened it, but as a rush of cold and piercing air penetrated the room abruptly, he closed it again immediately. He scrutinized the garden with that attentive gaze which studies rather than looks. The garden was enclosed by a tolerably low white wall, easy to climb. Having taken this survey, he executed a movement like that of a man who has made up his mind. He grasped his knapsack, put his shoes into one of his pockets, threw the knapsack on his shoulders, put on his cap, drew the visor down over his eyes, felt for his club, and placed it in the angle of the window. He took a candlestick in his right hand, holding his breath and trying to deaden the sound of his tread. He directed his steps to the door of the adjoining room. The bishop continued to sleep in profound peace. The gleam of the moon rendered confusedly visible the crucifix over the chimney piece, which seemed to be extending its arms to both of them, with a benediction for one and pardon for the other. Jean Valjean replaced his cap on his brow, then stepped rapidly past the bed, without glancing at the bishop, straight to the cupboard, which he saw near the head of the bed. He opened it and immediately saw the basket of silverware. He seized it, walked back across the chamber toward the window with long strides, without taking any precautions and without troubling himself about the noise. He grabbed his club, straddled the windowsill of the ground floor, put the silver into his knapsack, threw away the basket, crossed the garden, leaped over the wall like a tiger, and fled. The next morning at sunrise, the bishop was strolling in his garden. Madame Maglore ran up to him in utter consternation. Monsignor, Monsignor, she exclaimed. Do you know where the basket of silver is? Yes, replied the bishop. The bishop had just picked up the basket in a flower bed. He presented it to Madame Maglore. Here it is. Well, she said, there's nothing in it. And the silver? Ah, returned the bishop. So it is the silver which troubles you. I don't know where it is. It is stolen, Madame Maglore exclaimed. That man who was here last night has stolen it. The bishop remained silent for a moment. Then he raised his grave eyes and said gently to Madame Maglore, And in the first place, was that silver ours? Madame Maglore was speechless. Another silence ensued. Then the bishop went on. Madame Maglore, 
I have for a long time detained that silver wrongfully. It belonged to the poor. Who was that man? A poor man, evidently. Madame Magloire responded, What is Monsignor to eat with now? The bishop gazed at her with an air of amazement. Are there no such things as pewter forks and spoons? A few moments later, the bishop was eating breakfast at the very table at which Jean Valjean had sat on the previous evening. As they were about to rise from the table, there came a knock at the door. Come in, said the bishop. The door opened. A singular and loud group made its appearance on the threshold. Three men were holding a fourth man by the collar. The three men were police. The other was Jean Valjean. One of the men saluted the bishop. Monsignor, said the policeman. The bishop advanced as quickly as his great age permitted. His next words shocked the police. And Jean Valjean, too. Ah, here you are, the bishop exclaimed, looking at Jean Valjean. I'm glad to see you. I gave you the candlesticks, too, which are of silver like the rest, and for which you can certainly get 200 francs. But you forgot them. Why did you not carry the candlesticks away with your forks and spoons? Jean Valjean opened his eyes wide and stared at the venerable bishop with an expression of disbelief. A policeman spoke up. So what this man said is true then. We came across him. He was walking like a man who was running away. We stopped him to look into the matter. He had this silver. The bishop, now smiling, interrupted. And he told you that it had been given to him by a kind old fellow of a priest with whom he had passed the night. I see how the matter stands, and you have brought him back here. It is a mistake. In that case, replied the police officer, we can let him go? Certainly, replied the bishop. My friend, the bishop said to Jean Valjean, before you go, here are your candlesticks. Take them. Jean Valjean was trembling in every limb by this act of grace and mercy. He was bewildered, but he accepted the two candlesticks. Now, said the bishop, go in peace. By the way, when you return, my friend, it is not necessary to pass through the garden. You can always enter and depart through the street door. It is never fastened with anything but a latch, either by day or by night. The police officers walked away leaving Jean Valjean alone with the bishop. Jean Valjean was like a man on the point of fainting. The bishop drew near to him and said in a low voice, Do not forget, never forget, that you have promised to use this money in becoming an honest man. Jean Valjean, who had no recollection of ever having promised anything, remained speechless. The bishop, had emphasized the words when he uttered them. The bishop resumed, Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you. 
I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. Jean Valjean experienced undeserved grace and mercy. So do we. His story is our story. Each day we experience the infinite grace and mercy of the eternal, everlasting God of the universe. Each day we receive second chances. He loves us not because of what we have done, but because of who He is. God is love. He loved you before time began. Even now, He is protecting you and watching over you. Rest in His ever presence. Abide in His loving care. Receive His everlasting peace. Please, let me pray for you. Dear God, Thank you for this marvelous classical story, Les Miserables. Like Jean Valjean, we need your grace and your mercy. Like Jean Valjean, we need second chances. Thank you for your love. I pray for this child of yours, that they will know your peace and your presence. Give them wonderful dreams. Help them wake up feeling refreshed and ready to serve you another day. I pray for blessings for them today and this week. Les Miserables It's a tale about a man feeling beaten down and discouraged, as if all hope is lost. He needed a second chance. He needed grace. This man discovered the grace found in Scripture, which tells us, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Do you need God's grace today? Do you need hope? Close your eyes and unwind. Let your head sink into your pillow. Stretch out your legs and arms and get comfortable as we begin this story of grace and mercy. A story that has inspired Christians and non-Christians alike since it was released in 1845. Breathe in the grace of God. Now, picture yourself breathing out the troubles of the day. Les Miserables follows a poor 19th century Frenchman Jean Valjean, who was arrested for breaking a window and stealing a loaf of bread. He spent 19 years in hard labor rowing a ship. He left prison a bitter man who needed a second chance. He needed the grace and mercy of a loving God. Join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this child of God. Thank you for their talents, their gifts, their desire to know you more. Dear God, we need your grace. 
We need your mercy. We need second chances. We need your love. Father, I ask that you will soothe their aching bones and calm their mind. Give them the peace only you can provide. Bless them with Christ-centered thoughts. Bless them with tranquil dreams. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we begin this bedtime story, Jean Valjean had been a free man for four days. He had walked more than 100 miles along dusty roads, 41 miles today alone, on his way to the city of Pontarlier. An orange glowing sun was setting. He was weary. He was tired. He was hungry. He needed food. Most of all, he needed a bed. Jean Valjean entered a town but was turned away by the innkeeper. The jailer, too, wanted nothing to do with him. Finally, a bishop agreed to take him in. It was the bishop's residence, but as he told Valjean, This is not my house. It is the house of Jesus Christ. The bishop fed Valjean. He treated him like an old friend. He gave him a bed, too, with clean white sheets. He treated Jean Valjean as Christ would have treated him. Blowing out his candle, Jean Valjean dropped on the bed, exhausted and weary. He breathed slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly and he fell into a deep sleep as the cathedral clock struck two in the morning Jean Valjean awoke what woke him was that his bed was too good it had been nearly 20 years since he had slept in a bed And although he had not undressed, the sensation was too novel not to disturb his slumbers. He had slept more than four hours. His fatigue had passed away. He opened his eyes and stared into the gloom which surrounded him. Then he closed them again, with the intention of going to sleep once more. But he could not get to sleep again and he began thinking there was one thought which kept constantly presenting itself afresh and which drove away all others he had observed the six sets of silver forks and spoons and the ladle which madame maglore the bishop's servant had placed on the table those six sets of silver haunted him They were a few feet away from his bed, in a cupboard. They were solid, an old silver. From the ladle, one could get at least 200 francs, double what he had earned in 19 years in prison. The temptation to steal the silver and leave in the middle of the night was growing. Jean Valjean rose to his feet, hesitated still another moment, and listened 
all was quiet in the house. Then he walked straight ahead with short steps to the window, of which he caught a glimpse. The night was not very dark. There was a full moon, partially covered by large clouds driven by the wind. This created, outdoors, alternate shadow and gleams of light, then bright openings of the clouds. Indoor, there was a sort of twilight. On arriving at the window, Jean Valjean examined it. It had no grating. It opened in the garden and was fastened, according to the fashion of the country, only by a small pin. This would be his escape. He opened it, but as a rush of cold and piercing air penetrated the room abruptly, he closed it again immediately. He scrutinized the garden with that attentive gaze which studies rather than looks. The garden was enclosed by a tolerably low white wall, easy to climb. Having taken this survey, he executed a movement like that of a man who has made up his mind. He grasped his knapsack, put his shoes into one of his pockets, threw the knapsack on his shoulders, put on his cap, drew the visor down over his eyes, felt for his club, and placed it in the angle of the window. He took a candlestick in his right hand, holding his breath and trying to deaden the sound of his tread. He directed his steps to the door of the adjoining room. The bishop continued to sleep in profound peace. The gleam of the moon rendered confusedly visible the crucifix over the chimney piece, which seemed to be extending its arms to both of them, with a benediction for one and pardon for the other. Jean Valjean replaced his cap on his brow, then stepped rapidly past the bed, without glancing at the bishop, straight to the cupboard, which he saw near the head of the bed. He opened it and immediately saw the basket of silverware. He seized it, walked back across the chamber toward the window with long strides. Without taking any precautions and without troubling himself about the noise, he grabbed his club, straddled the windowsill of the ground floor, put the silver into his knapsack, threw away the basket, crossed the garden, leaped over the wall like a tiger, and fled. The next morning at sunrise, the bishop was strolling in his garden. Madame Maglore ran up to him in utter consternation. Monsignor, Monsignor, she exclaimed. Do you know where the basket of silver is? Yes, replied the bishop. The bishop had just picked up the basket in a flower bed. He presented it to Madame Maglore. Here it is. Well, she said. There's nothing in it. And the silver? Ah, returned the bishop. So it is the silver which troubles you. I don't know where it is. It is stolen, Madame Maglore exclaimed. 
That man who was here last night has stolen it. The bishop remained silent for a moment. Then he raised his grave eyes and said gently to Madame Maglore, And in the first place, was that silver ours? Madame Maglore was speechless. Another silence ensued. Then the bishop went on. Madame Maglore, I have for a long time detained that silver wrongfully. It belonged to the poor. Who was that man? A poor man, evidently. Madame Maglore responded, What is Monsignor to eat with now? The bishop gazed at her with an air of amazement. Are there no such things as pewter forks and spoons? A few moments later, the bishop was eating breakfast at the very table at which Jean Valjean had sat on the previous evening. As they were about to rise from the table, there came a knock at the door. Come in, said the bishop. The door opened. A singular and loud group made its appearance on the threshold. Three men were holding a fourth man by the collar. The three men were police. The other was Jean Valjean. One of the men saluted the bishop. Monsignor, said the policeman. The bishop advanced as quickly as his great age permitted. His next words shocked the police. And Jean Valjean, too. Ah, here you are, the bishop exclaimed, looking at Jean Valjean. I'm glad to see you. I gave you the candlesticks, too, which are of silver like the rest, and for which you can certainly get 200 francs. But you forgot them. Why did you not carry the candlesticks away with your forks and spoons? Jean Valjean opened his eyes wide and stared at the venerable bishop with an expression of disbelief. A policeman spoke up. So what this man said is true then. We came across him. He was walking like a man who was running away. We stopped him to look into the matter. He had this silver. The bishop, now smiling, interrupted. And he told you that it had been given to him by a kind old fellow of a priest with whom he had passed the night. I see how the matter stands, and you have brought him back here. It is a mistake. In that case, replied the police officer, we can let him go? Certainly, replied the bishop. My friend, the bishop said to Jean Valjean, before you go, here are your candlesticks. Take them. Jean Valjean was trembling in every limb by this act of grace and mercy. He was bewildered, but he accepted the two candlesticks. Now, said the bishop, go in peace. By the way, when you return, my friend, it is not necessary to pass through the garden. You can always enter and depart through the street door. It is never fastened with anything but a latch, either by day or by night. The police officers walked away leaving Jean Valjean alone with the bishop. Jean Valjean was like a man on the point of fainting. The bishop drew near to him and said in a low voice, Do not forget 
never forget that you have promised to use this money in becoming an honest man Jean Valjean who had no recollection of ever having promised anything remained speechless the bishop had emphasized the words when he uttered them the bishop resumed Jean Valjean my brother you no longer belong to evil but to good it is your soul that I buy from you I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition and I give it to God it is your soul that I buy from you I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition and I give it to God Jean Valjean experienced undeserved grace and mercy so do we his story is our story each day we experience the infinite grace and mercy of the eternal everlasting God of the universe each day we receive second chances he loves us not because of what we have done but because of who he is God is love he loved you before time began even now he is protecting you and watching over you rest in his ever presence abide in his loving care receive his everlasting peace please let me pray for you dear God thank you for this marvelous classical story Les Miserables like Jean Valjean we need your grace and your mercy like Jean Valjean we need second chances thank you for your love I pray for this child of yours that they will know your peace and your presence give them wonderful dreams help them wake up feeling refreshed and ready to serve you another day I pray for blessings for them today and this week Les Miserables it's a tale about a man feeling beaten down and discouraged as if all hope is lost he needed a second chance he needed grace this man discovered the grace found in Scripture which tells us but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Romans chapter 5 verse 8 do you need God's grace today do you need hope close your eyes and unwind let your head sink into your pillow stretch out your legs and arms and get comfortable as we begin this story of grace and mercy a story that has inspired Christians and non-Christians alike since it was released in 1845 breathe in the grace of God now picture yourself breathing out the troubles of the day Les Miserables follows a poor 19th century Frenchman Jean Valjean who was arrested for breaking a window and stealing a loaf of bread he spent 19 years in hard labor rowing a ship 
he left prison a bitter man who needed a second chance he needed the grace and mercy of a loving God join with me as I pray Heavenly Father thank you for this child of God thank you for their talents their gifts their desire to know you more dear God we need your grace we need your mercy we need second chances we need your love father I ask that you will soothe their aching bones and calm their mind give them the peace only you can provide bless them with Christ-centered thoughts bless them with tranquil dreams I pray this in the name of Jesus amen as we begin this bedtime story Jean Valjean had been a free man for four days he had walked more than 100 miles along dusty roads 41 miles today alone on his way to the city of Pontarlier an orange glowing Sun was setting he was weary he was tired he was hungry he needed food most of all he needed a bed Jean Valjean entered a town but was turned away by the innkeeper the jailer too wanted nothing to do with him finally a bishop agreed to take him in it was the bishop's residence but as he told Valjean this is not my house it is the house of Jesus Christ the bishop fed Valjean he treated him like an old friend he gave him a bed too with clean white sheets he treated Jean Valjean as Christ would have treated him blowing out his candle Jean Valjean dropped on the bed exhausted and weary he breathed slowly and quietly slowly and quietly slowly and quietly and he fell into a deep sleep as the cathedral clock struck two in the morning Jean Valjean awoke what woke him was that his bed was too good it had been nearly 20 years since he had slept in a bed and although he had not undressed the sensation was too novel not to disturb his slumbers he had slept more than four hours his fatigue had passed away he opened his eyes and stared into the gloom which surrounded him then he closed them again with the intention of going to sleep once more but he could not get to sleep again and he began thinking there was one thought which kept constantly presenting itself afresh and which drove away all others he had observed the six sets of silver forks and spoons and the ladle which Madame Maglore the bishop's servant had placed on the table those six sets of silver haunted him they were a few feet away from his bed 
in a cupboard. They were solid and old silver. From the ladle, one could get at least 200 francs, double what he had earned in 19 years in prison. The temptation to steal the silver and leave in the middle of the night was growing. Jean Valjean rose to his feet, hesitated still another moment, and listened. All was quiet in the house. Then he walked straight ahead with short steps to the window, of which he caught a glimpse. The night was not very dark. There was a full moon, partially covered by large clouds driven by the wind. This created, outdoors, alternate shadow and gleams of light, then bright openings of the clouds. Indoor, there was a sort of twilight. On arriving at the window, Jean Valjean examined it. It had no grating. It opened in the garden and was fastened, according to the fashion of the country, only by a small pin. This would be his escape. He opened it, but as a rush of cold and piercing air penetrated the room abruptly, he closed it again immediately. He scrutinized the garden with that attentive gaze which studies rather than looks. The garden was enclosed by a tolerably low white wall, easy to climb. Having taken this survey, he executed a movement like that of a man who has made up his mind. He grasped his knapsack, put his shoes into one of his pockets, threw the knapsack on his shoulders, put on his cap, drew the visor down over his eyes, felt for his club, and placed it in the angle of the window. He took a candlestick in his right hand, holding his breath and trying to deaden the sound of his tread. He directed his steps to the door of the adjoining room. The bishop continued to sleep in profound peace. The gleam of the moon rendered confusedly visible the crucifix over the chimney piece, which seemed to be extending its arms to both of them, with a benediction for one and pardon for the other. Jean Valjean replaced his cap on his brow, then stepped rapidly past the bed, without glancing at the bishop, straight to the cupboard which he saw near the head of the bed. He opened it and immediately saw the basket of silverware. He seized it, walked back across the chamber toward the window with long strides. Without taking any precautions and without troubling himself about the noise, he grabbed his club, straddled the windowsill of the ground floor, put the silver into his knapsack, threw away the basket, crossed the garden, leaped over the wall like a tiger and fled. The next morning at sunrise, the bishop was strolling in his garden. Madame Maglore ran up to him in utter consternation. Monsignor, Monsignor, she exclaimed. Do you know where the basket of silver is? 
Yes, replied the bishop. The bishop had just picked up the basket in a flower bed. He presented it to Madame Maglore. Here it is. Well, she said, there's nothing in it. And the silver? Ah, returned the bishop. So it is the silver which troubles you. I don't know where it is. It is stolen, Madame Maglore exclaimed. That man who was here last night has stolen it. The bishop remained silent for a moment. Then he raised his grave eyes and said gently to Madame Maglore, And in the first place, was that silver ours? Madame Maglore was speechless. Another silence ensued. Then the bishop went on. Madame Maglore, I have for a long time detained that silver wrongfully. It belonged to the poor. Who was that man? A poor man, evidently. Madame Maglore responded, What is Monsignor to eat with now? The bishop gazed at her with an air of amazement. Are there no such things as pewter forks and spoons? A few moments later, the bishop was eating breakfast at the very table at which Jean Valjean had sat on the previous evening. As they were about to rise from the table, there came a knock at the door. Come in, said the bishop. The door opened. A singular and loud group made its appearance on the threshold. Three men were holding a fourth man by the collar. The three men were police. The other was Jean Valjean. One of the men saluted the bishop. Monsignor, said the policeman. The bishop advanced as quickly as his great age permitted. His next words shocked the police. And Jean Valjean, too. Ah, here you are, the bishop exclaimed, looking at Jean Valjean. I'm glad to see you. I gave you the candlesticks, too, which are of silver like the rest, and for which you can certainly get 200 francs, but you forgot them. Why did you not carry the candlesticks away with your forks and spoons? Jean Valjean opened his eyes wide and stared at the venerable bishop with an expression of disbelief. A policeman spoke up. So what this man said is true then. We came across him. He was walking like a man who was running away. We stopped him to look into the matter. He had this silver. The bishop, now smiling, interrupted. And he told you that it had been given to him by a kind old fellow of a priest with whom he had passed the night. I see how the matter stands, and you have brought him back here. It is a mistake. In that case, replied the police officer, we can let him go? Certainly, replied the bishop. My friend, the bishop said to Jean Valjean, before you go, here are your candlesticks. Take them. Jean Valjean was trembling in every limb by this act of grace and mercy. He was bewildered, but he accepted the two candlesticks. Now, said the bishop, go in peace. By the way, when you return, my friend, 
it is not necessary to pass through the garden. You can always enter and depart through the street door. It is never fastened with anything but a latch, either by day or by night. The police officers walked away, leaving Jean Valjean alone with the bishop. Jean Valjean was like a man on the point of fainting. The bishop drew near to him and said in a low voice, Do not forget, never forget, that you have promised to use this money in becoming an honest man. Jean Valjean, who had no recollection of ever having promised anything, remained speechless. The bishop had emphasized the words when he uttered them. The bishop resumed, Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. Jean Valjean experienced undeserved grace and mercy. So do we. His story is our story. Each day we experience the infinite grace and mercy of the eternal, everlasting God of the universe. Each day we receive second chances. He loves us not because of what we have done, but because of who He is. God is love. He loved you before time began. Even now, He is protecting you and watching over you. Rest in His ever presence. Abide in His loving care. Receive His everlasting peace. Please, let me pray for you. Dear God, Thank you for this marvelous classical story, Les Miserables. Like Jean Valjean, we need your grace and your mercy. Like Jean Valjean, we need second chances. Thank you for your love. I pray for this child of yours, that they will know your peace and your presence. Give them wonderful dreams. Help them wake up feeling refreshed and ready to serve you another day. I pray for blessings for them today and this week. Les Miserables It's a tale about a man feeling beaten down and discouraged, as if all hope is lost. He needed a second chance. He needed grace. This man discovered the grace found in Scripture, which tells us, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Do you need God's grace today? Do you need hope? Close your eyes and unwind. Let your head sink into your pillow. Stretch out your legs and arms and get comfortable as we begin this story of grace and mercy. A story that has inspired Christians and non-Christians alike 
since it was released in 1845. Breathe in the grace of God. Now, picture yourself breathing out the troubles of the day. Les Miserables follows a poor 19th century Frenchman, Jean Valjean, who was arrested for breaking a window and stealing a loaf of bread. He spent 19 years in hard labor rowing a ship. He left prison a bitter man who needed a second chance. He needed the grace and mercy of a loving God. Join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this child of God. Thank you for their talents, their gifts, their desire to know you more. Dear God, we need your grace. We need your mercy. We need second chances. We need your love. Father, I ask that you will soothe their aching bones and calm their mind. Give them the peace only you can provide. Bless them with Christ-centered thoughts. Bless them with tranquil dreams. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we begin this bedtime story, Jean Valjean had been a free man for four days. He had walked more than 100 miles along dusty roads, 41 miles today alone, on his way to the city of Pontarlier. An orange glowing sun was setting. He was weary. He was tired. He was hungry. He needed food. Most of all, he needed a bed. Jean Valjean entered a town but was turned away by the innkeeper. The jailer, too, wanted nothing to do with him. Finally, a bishop agreed to take him in. It was the bishop's residence, but as he told Valjean, This is not my house. It is the house of Jesus Christ. The bishop fed Valjean. He treated him like an old friend. He gave him a bed, too, with clean white sheets. He treated Jean Valjean as Christ would have treated him. Blowing out his candle, Jean Valjean dropped on the bed, exhausted and weary. He breathed slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly, slowly and quietly. And he fell into a deep sleep. As the cathedral clock struck two in the morning, Jean Valjean awoke. What woke him was that his bed was too good. It had been nearly 20 years since he had slept in a bed, and although he had not undressed, the sensation was too novel not to disturb his slumbers. He had slept more than four hours. His fatigue had passed away. He opened his eyes and stared into the gloom which surrounded him. Then he closed them again with the intention of going to sleep once more. But he could not get to sleep again. 
and he began thinking there was one thought which kept constantly presenting itself afresh and which drove away all others he had observed the six sets of silver forks and spoons and the ladle which madame maglore the bishop's servant had placed on the table those six sets of silver haunted him they were a few feet away from his bed in a cupboard they were solid and old silver from the ladle one could get at least 200 francs double what he had earned in 19 years in prison the temptation to steal the silver and leave in the middle of the night was growing Jean Valjean rose to his feet hesitated still another moment and listened all was quiet in the house then he walked straight ahead with short steps to the window of which he caught a glimpse the night was not very dark there was a full moon partially covered by large clouds driven by the wind this created outdoors alternate shadow and gleams of light then bright openings of the clouds indoor there was a sort of twilight on arriving at the window Jean Valjean examined it it had no grating it opened in the garden and was fastened according to the fashion of the country only by a small pin this would be his escape he opened it but as a rush of cold and piercing air penetrated the room abruptly he closed it again immediately he scrutinized the garden with that attentive gaze which studies rather than looks the garden was enclosed by a tolerably low white wall easy to climb having taken this survey he executed a movement like that of a man who has made up his mind he grasped his knapsack put his shoes into one of his pockets threw the knapsack on his shoulders put on his cap drew the visor down over his eyes felt for his club and placed it in the angle of the window he took a candlestick in his right hand holding his breath and trying to deaden the sound of his tread he directed his steps to the door of the adjoining room the bishop continued to sleep in profound peace the gleam of the moon rendered confusedly visible the crucifix over the chimney piece which seemed to be extending its arms to both of them with a benediction for one and pardon for the other Jean Valjean replaced his cap on his brow then stepped rapidly past the bed without glancing at the bishop straight to the cupboard which he saw near the head of the bed he opened it and immediately saw the basket of silverware he seized it walked back across the chamber toward the window with long strides without taking any precautions and without troubling himself about the noise he grabbed his club straddled the windowsill of the ground floor put the silver into his knapsack 
threw away the basket, crossed the garden, leaped over the wall like a tiger, and fled. The next morning at sunrise, the bishop was strolling in his garden. Madame Maglore ran up to him in utter consternation. Monsignor, Monsignor, she exclaimed. Do you know where the basket of silver is? Yes, replied the bishop. The bishop had just picked up the basket in a flower bed. He presented it to Madame Maglore. Here it is. Well, she said, there's nothing in it. And the silver? Ah, returned the bishop. So it is the silver which troubles you. I don't know where it is. It is stolen, Madame Maglore exclaimed. That man who was here last night has stolen it. The bishop remained silent for a moment. Then he raised his grave eyes and said gently to Madame Maglore, And in the first place, was that silver ours? Madame Maglore was speechless. Another silence ensued. Then the bishop went on. Madame Maglore, I have for a long time detained that silver wrongfully. It belonged to the poor. Who was that man? A poor man, evidently. Madame Maglore responded, What is Monsignor to eat with now? The bishop gazed at her with an air of amazement. Are there no such things as pewter forks and spoons? A few moments later, the bishop was eating breakfast at the very table at which Jean Valjean had sat on the previous evening. As they were about to rise from the table, there came a knock at the door. Come in, said the bishop. The door opened. A singular and loud group made its appearance on the threshold. Three men were holding a fourth man by the collar. The three men were police. The other was Jean Valjean. One of the men saluted the bishop. Monsignor, said the policeman. The bishop advanced as quickly as his great age permitted. His next words shocked the police. And Jean Valjean, too. Ah, here you are, the bishop exclaimed, looking at Jean Valjean. I'm glad to see you. I gave you the candlesticks, too which are of silver like the rest, and for which you can certainly get 200 francs. But you forgot them. Why did you not carry the candlesticks away with your forks and spoons? Jean Valjean opened his eyes wide and stared at the venerable bishop with an expression of disbelief. A policeman spoke up. So what this man said is true then. We came across him, he was walking like a man who was running away. We stopped him to look into the matter. He had this silver. The bishop, now smiling, interrupted. And he told you that it had been given to him by a kind old fellow of a priest with whom he had passed the night. I see how the matter stands, and you have brought him back here. It is a mistake. In that case, replied the police officer, we can let him go? 
Certainly, replied the bishop. My friend, the bishop said to Jean Valjean, before you go, here are your candlesticks. Take them. Jean Valjean was trembling in every limb by this act of grace and mercy. He was bewildered, but he accepted the two candlesticks. Now, said the bishop, go in peace. By the way, when you return, my friend, it is not necessary to pass through the garden. You can always enter and depart through the street door. It is never fastened with anything but a latch, either by day or by night. The police officers walked away, leaving Jean Valjean alone with the bishop. Jean Valjean was like a man on the point of fainting. The bishop drew near to him and said in a low voice, Do not forget, never forget, that you have promised to use this money in becoming an honest man. Jean Valjean, who had no recollection of ever having promised anything, remained speechless. The bishop had emphasized the words when he uttered them. The bishop resumed, Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdraw it from black thoughts in the spirit of perdition, and I give it to God. Jean Valjean experienced undeserved grace and mercy. So do we. His story is our story. Each day we experience the infinite grace and mercy of the eternal, everlasting God of the universe. Each day we receive second chances. He loves us not because of what we have done, but because of who He is. God is love. He loved you before time began. Even now, He is protecting you and watching over you. Rest in His ever presence. Abide in His loving care. Receive His everlasting peace. Please, let me pray for you. Dear God, Thank you for this marvelous classical story, Les Miserables. Like Jean Valjean, we need your grace and your mercy. Like Jean Valjean, we need second chances. Thank you for your love. I pray for this child of yours, that they will know your peace and your presence. Give them wonderful dreams. Help them wake up feeling refreshed and ready to serve you another day. I pray for blessings for them today and this week. <laughs>